You're in the water loop. This is Waterloop episode number 130, Cleveland's Water Rocks. Five decades ago, Cleveland was infamous for major water problems, including the Cuyahoga River catching on fire and Lake Erie being proclaimed dead. But the challenges attracted attention, resources, businesses, and problem solvers. Fifty years later, the city is an epicenter for water innovation and technology, as discussed in this episode with Brian Stubbs, President and Executive Director of the Cleveland Water Alliance. Brian talks about the effort to make Erie a smart lake, solutions emerging from the Erie hack, creation of a test bed for tech, and Cleveland's thriving water community. Before starting the conversation, a few reminders. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet that depends on a variety of support. That includes you as a listener. If you value Waterloop's content, consider making a contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thewaterloop. Waterloop is made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. Waterloop is also sponsored by Hydroloop, a company that is revolutionizing gray water recycling in homes and businesses. I'm going to share a bit more about Hydroloop and then start the podcast. Waterloop. It's time for bold leadership when it comes to advancing water sustainability. Let's look at the example set by Sydney, Australia. The city saw that it was time to adapt, and it cleared the way for residential gray water recycling, allowing homeowners to clean and reuse water in their homes. Enter the perfect solution, Hydroloop. It's a water recycling system that takes the water from showers and washing machines and cleans it so it can be used again for toilets, washing machines, garden irrigation, and more. The Hydroloop technology can make a massive difference for water sustainability in countries around the world, including in the United States. Sydney is showing what is possible by empowering residents to recycle water. With Hydroloop, you can use water twice. Learn more at Hydroloop.com. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Joined for this episode by Brian Stubbs, President and Executive Director of the Cleveland Water Alliance. Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, so how's everything going for you these days in, in Cleveland and on the shores of Lake Erie? Things have been good. Um, you know, for, for us and the water economy here in Cleveland, it's been you know, for some of our, our corporate partners, record-breaking years. So we're having those same challenges that everybody's having around supply chain issues and workforce needs and all that kind of good stuff. But it's just been a, a fantastic uh, last couple of years and, uh, you know, just real hopeful for the next decade. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, there's been a lot of resilience shown through these times uh, and, and, adaptation and innovation. And uh, it sounds like, you know, what you have going on there in Cleveland with the Water Alliance and all your partners, uh, you guys are are following that. Um, wh one of the things, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about for this episode. So excited to talk. I've, I'm always watching what you have going on there. It's exciting. Uh, you talk a lot about this idea of a smart lake, a smart Lake Erie. Um, and we're, we're talking about a body of water here that doesn't have a brain necessarily. <laughs> but what's, uh, what's, what's this vision of a, of a smart Lake Erie? What's that mean? 
Well, it, it means different things to different people, but ultimately what we're talking about here is through real-time, near real-time data, we can influence improved management actions and investments. So, you know, be it a utility, be it infrastructure investments, nutrient loading, maritime, which is, you know, something people don't realize that Cleveland actually has shipping between here and Northern Europe. Uh, climate change, the energy water nexus, uh, public health, recreational needs. You know, it's really about collecting data so that we can improve outcomes and outputs. So, you know, it really starts there. You know, we talk about, you know, smart cities and what they represent for better management of, you know, everything from traffic on up. Um, so we're doing the same thing with water. And when we talk about smart Lake Erie, you know, what we're really talking about here, and I think it's pretty important to to realize is really a smart watershed. So it's not just the great Lake Lake Erie for us, but it's also the entirety of the watershed and making that whole system smarter. Mm. Where did this idea come from? Well, you know, how did how did this percolate up the idea of kind of going this direction with a body of water, with the watershed around it, the communities around it? Yeah, well, you know, a, a combination of places that it came from. The first was just observation and realizing, be it, be it our utility partners like the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District or our researchers, you know, from Ohio Sea Grant or Case Western, they were still physically going out and taking grab samples. And anybody who comes from this industry knows the time between taking that grab sample, getting it back to a lab, doing what you need to do to take a look at you know, what's in that sample, getting that inputted into an Excel file, sending that Excel file to somebody massively <laughs> inefficient, massively. You know, I look at the example of E. coli as, as a great point. Um, e. coli outbreaks for the Great Lakes, you know, that's usually after a big storm event, as an example. And by the time somebody does that grab sample, takes it back to the lab, and then realizes, oh, there's an E. coli breakout. Let's put a warning sign out on this beach. It's already passed. So, you know, really it's about saying, hey, technology has improved radically. Cost for technology has gone down radically. Why are we having humans take these grab samples when we can automate this entire process and do it, if not in real time, almost real time or near real time? Hmm. Yeah, you were making me tired there just listing all the steps in a process like that, you know, the, the, the manual labor involved. So got a lot of more tools and technology at our disposal to deal with that. Um, what's been the reaction, you know, across Cleveland, across some of the other Lake Erie communities to this concept and this push for, for a smart lake? In general, overall, it's been met really positively, a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement. And when people realize how it's already being utilized, even greater excitement. So let me let me give you an example. You know, this summer, this last summer, uh, we, we took over a contract for the city of Cleveland's water department for their monitoring of their three water intakes on Lake Erie. And we added then what they had out there were two buoy systems with some equipment on it. So we made those two buoys a lot more um, you know, smarter with a lot of telemetry on it, more monitoring devices. And then we added two additional buoys. 
So why did we do that? Well, one of the biggest things keeping that water department up at night is something known as hypoxia. Mm. You know, hypoxia causes issues around color, taste, odor of the water, and it's expensive to treat. And once it gets into the system, obviously, it's too late. So what we've been working on with them is a way to better monitor hypoxia, oxygen-starved water. And by monitoring it, we can better assist them with the management and the treatment. So on one hand, it improves water quality outcomes. But on the other hand, um, you know, it, it also creates a early warning system, if you will. Um, and it saves them money at the end of the day through the treatment process. When we start talking about how this technology, um, you know, improves these outcomes at a lower cost, you suddenly get, you know, everybody's attention. And that's an example people love. They love, you know, us taking them out to the buoys and, you know, showing them uh, off. Uh, you can text the buoys. They text you their real-time information back. And people love that. And when we ran that story in the uh, local paper, paper, The Plain Dealer, it actually crashed our system. There were so many people using it. And the reason it crashed it is at that time we were using cell cell data, cell telemetry, so like a cell phone, that data was going over a cell line, and it was through a, a major telecom, I won't mention their name, they thought we were getting hacked and attacked because wow. of the, the mass, and it, it wasn't the case at all, it was just people were that excited and, and using it. So as people have been discovering this and realize why we're doing this, there's a lot of excitement, and then, you know, something we can get into a little later is, you know, then you realize the business starts, the job creation that's coming out of this new tech, um, then people are even more excited. Yeah, that's all That's all exciting. I, I've watched the buoy activity for, for a number of years now and familiar with that. Are there any other examples you could share about uh, cool things going on related to the, the Smart Lake? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that really kind of prompted a lot of this work was around harmful algal blooms, mm. you know, a major issue worldwide, but certainly a major issue um, here. And some of the work that's been done around that's just so exciting. So it includes, you know, telemetry and remote sensing. And we're real excited by that. It started out as an experiment with um, uh, NASA. And we have a NASA research center, Glenn Research Center here in Cleveland. And um, one of the researchers there um, was somehow managed to get an old submarine chasing Navy airplane that used to fly off of carriers. And we got that into Cleveland. And we were able to cut some holes in the floor and put in some equipment uh, to start flying over Lake Erie and start being able to um, you know, see where the, the HABs or harmful algal blooms were. So that, that was version 1.0. We're probably about version 5 now, which is, you know, actual drones flying over the lake with much more improved, um, you know, spectral imaging that allows us to not only monitor harmful algal blooms, but we can actually see how harmful these are in terms of the microcystin in them through this imagery. That allows us to develop early warning systems as, as a great example. So the technology from space, from remote sensing is just a lot of people are excited. So we're growing that. Our partnership with NOAA's Glorial Lab in Ann Arbor, the Great Lakes Environmental Research Lab, 
Um, you know, we've been part of a, uh, a group uh, within that that, you know, is actually supporting some uh, surface vehicles that just swim around the Great Lakes and collect this information. So you're starting to see how all sorts of different data inputs are, are taking shape and people are just really excited every time something new, uh, you know, kind of comes up from that, whether it's a smart buoy, whether it's buoys floating around or whether it's a, a satellite high in space giving us real time information. So a lot of these strides, it involves some type of collection of data out there, right? Whether it's the buoy or a, or a drone or autonomous, you know, boat in the in the water. And then it's collecting all this new type of data, all the sensors that are out there and different ways to collect data. And then it's shipping that stuff back and being able to crunch those numbers and get get it in real time. And there's just kind of this big flow that's that's going on. That's, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things I think you guys use to to drive this smart lake uh, vision is the Erie hack. Um, and I'd love for you to explain what that hack is and then how it's advancing the concept of a, a smart lake there. Yeah, yeah, very exciting program that's, um, you know, been covered nationally by NPR on, on down. And um, the idea is really simple and it's not unique or new in terms of outsourcing or what's called open innovation. So basically, you know, big corporations have started outsourcing some of their biggest challenges, things they have not been able to solve themselves. And the idea is real simple. You, you identify what you're trying to solve for. In our case, you know, it's Smart Lake is the health of the lake as a starting point. And you throw some dollars into that and then you create a competition to say, look, you know, we're going to open this up worldwide and we want to see problem X or problem Y or problem Z solved for because we haven't been able to solve it. So that's what we do with Erie Hack. It's, it's an open innovation competition, Travis, that really brings in the entirety for us of the Lake Erie Basin. And I think that's a really important component to this work. Um, you know, I know you've heard and your listeners have heard this concept of, you know, a watershed knows no political boundary. Mm. And, you know, a lot of our challenges around water quality start there. And so what we did with Erie Hack is to create this open innovation challenge for Lake Erie that involves Detroit, involves Toledo, involves Erie, Pennsylvania, involves Buffalo, New York, and it involves Windsor, uh, Ontario in Canada. And, you know, we do this big, it's a big, massive program. We do it every other year. And out of that, we get anywhere from, you know, 75 to 100 potential solutions presented to us on these challenges, problems. And, you know, the number one problem has always started off with, you know, harmful algal blooms, because that's been a major issue here. Uh, that's what shut Toledo's water system down for two and a half days in uh, 2014. And, you know, as people have been coming to us with new innovations for identification, monitoring, early warning systems, uh, we've been able to funnel them through this program, which will vet the technologies. We bring in a lot of industry experts to one, mentor all the participants, one. Um, you know, two, they go through a whole judging criteria. And then for me, being a huge college basketball fan, <laughs> we treat this as almost like a NCAA tournament. So Detroit has their quarterfinals, Buffalo has theirs, we have ours, Toledo has theirs. 
And then that goes to a semifinal in Detroit. So, you know, gets us up into Detroit, gets us into their ecosystem and their universities in Michigan, like Wayne State and University of Michigan. And then the final like seven or eight teams then come to Cleveland and they duke it out for, you know, real, real dollars. So, you know, we, we've raised uh, about $300,000 to date that we've given away to these teams. And more importantly is the teams that are really promising. And sometimes it's not the ones that win first, but maybe second or third place. We continue to work with them and we figure out ways to help them, you know, look at what was missing. It seems to be of a really good value from an idea perspective. Let's get you with an entrepreneur in residence and start working with that, that innovator, if you will, to, um, um, you know, bring it to market. And, you know, from that, Travis, you know, we, we've developed something known as water technology test beds. And ultimately, it's a validation of these technologies in the market. So, you know, the test beds, there's a muni utility test bed, there's an open water watershed test bed. And we're able to, to take these innovations, benchmark them against the current best in class system, you know, be it a YSI sonde or an in situ sonde in the case of the open water watershed, uh, water quality monitoring, give us real-time feedback, but also get feedback from the industry. And then from there, we mature it and hopefully launch that into the marketplace. So it's, a, it's an exciting program. It really resonates with people. And what's exciting to me is that the winners have been from every age group you can imagine, every background you can imagine. And I always use the example of a, uh, a high school participant from Buffalo in 2017. And, you know, she had realized that there was a lot of invasive um, uh, mussels and shells. The shells would wash up onto the beaches of Buffalo. Massive amounts, Travis, massive amounts. They, you know, the city of Buffalo would have to take, you know, caterpillar, you know, machinery and wow. uh, scoop these out on a weekly basis. She took these shells and realize that if you grind them down and combine them with some other um, uh, you know, polymer materials, they make an incredible 3D printing filament. So here was a 17-year-old who came to us with this idea. She won the high school version of it that year. And within a month, we actually had an MOU with a major multinational corporation for the 17-year-old. So you just you don't know where these ideas are going to come from, and that's the important thing to matter and open innovation. You know, you expect them to come from these, you know, deep research institutions. And we get that, you know, we get people from Berkeley, we get people from, you know, uh, Ohio State, from Case Western, and we've even had teams participate from Brazil and Argentina and Europe. But you just don't know where that next great idea is coming, going to come from. So this allows us to do that, but then it also rewards this ecosystem of innovation and technology development here regionally. Awesome stuff. I always enjoy watching from afar every year and seeing seeing you guys open the competition and move through it and, and see what comes out of it. Love that story about a high school student coming up with a totally creative idea. I mean, those are game changers out there in, in so many ways. Um, any other like real favorite examples or, or things that have come out of the hack? Any any you know of the winners that have really made a mark? Yeah, I, I've got two examples I'd love for your listeners to know about. You know, the, the first is 
RNA-based technology. Mm. Everybody is excited about RNA because of what they've done with uh, the vaccines for, for COVID. Uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible piece of technology and science. So we've been working with some companies and the, the team that won Erie Hack this last fall uh, developed an RNA-based technology initially for uh, taking samples and very quickly telling us if there's any you know, you know, cell structure from invasive species. You know, a major concern for the Great Lakes. Um, you know, we've got issues with the Asian carp out of Chicago coming up to Mississippi. And then we do have, as I mentioned previously, shipping um, coming in from the Port of Antwerp. So we've got to be careful on invasive. So this was a technology to develop that. But what they won Erie Hack for this year was a different application, which is we realized it can also detect the cell level of microcystin and harmful algal blooms. So it's giving us more real-time data information on the severity of harmful algal blooms and thus again the predictability of harmful algal blooms. So that that was really exciting to me. That was just a you know a home run of an innovation and a technology that has gone on and already you know received some some pretty significant funding from a couple of our federal partners starting with the uh, the Army Corps and the Coast Guard here regionally. Then the second thing is we've we've evolved the program for more corporate level open innovation challenges or solving significant challenges for the utility industry. So the example I'll give here is you know we launched a open innovation challenge for the detection of lead service lines without breaking ground. This is something that a, a score of utilities told us, this is the thing that keeps them up at night is they know they've got to replace those lead service lines, but they don't know where they are. There are some you know, AI models out there that can tell us where some of them are, but we need a tool that can actually penetrate the ground and say, yeah, that's a lead service line, prioritize that one. And plus every utility in America is you know, going to be required to map out their lead service line. So we opened an open innovation challenge um, uh, about six months ago on this topic. It involves six utilities from Cincinnati, Akron, Cleveland, Sandusky, Kania, and then uh, Aqua America, Aqua Ohio. So we got some private sector um, mines on this as well. And we so far have six promising innovations. Uh, we built a pipe farm in partnership with Cleveland Water. So these innovators can now come in and trial their technology for detection of these lead service lines within the pipe farm that Cleveland Water um, you know, operates for us. And um, also though, these, these innovators, when they're coming in to trial these technologies, have Cleveland Water and Akron Water um, um, service members with them. So they're getting feedback from those that ultimately operate this equipment in the field. So it shows you how we're going from a really broad uh, open innovation program to a very narrow but huge market. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine if we can detect lead service lines, you know, one, there, there's a huge public health need there and that solves a, a great problem. But two, from a business perspective, imagine having something ready to go to almost every utility in the country. Um, it's, it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, that's massive. You've you've alluded to it. The new EPA rules around you know lead and copper utilities have to have to have a plan and and map these things out. And there's tens of millions of them maybe across the United States. It's a it's a big big issue, huge opportunity, exciting stuff, really really cool. Um, 
pivoting a little bit, Cleveland, we, you know, we, we kind of, ra- I mentioned in the beginning, the Cleveland Water Alliance, the fact that all this kind of is happening there. Um, what's, what's, what's happening in Cleveland? Why, why is this the, the epicenter of kind of this smart lake, smart watershed, you know, using all this tech? Uh, obviously, you guys are driving that through the Erie hack and, and so forth. But could you just talk about the, the Cleveland ecosystem and the, the, what's happening there in, in that part of Ohio? Yeah, you know, so so what's in the water really? Is what's <laughs> well, and, and also, like you know, it's the up, it's the Midwest, right? This is a part of the country that's been tougher, and and a lot of people have left, and it might not have the best reputation from you know to other parts of the country. But but you guys are like you know leading the charge on this this water tech innovation front. So let's yeah. let's let's tout it here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one, one should look at the history of water quality in the United States to realize why Cleveland. And you know, some of your listeners will be aware of a, a river here that last caught on fire 52 years ago called the Cuyahoga River, covered by Time Magazine and a very popular issue, I think, in 1968 or 69. Um, and that was the thing that kind of galvanized what was going on nationally around water quality. You know, the Cuyahoga River having an occasional fire was not unique in the Great Lakes or any of our industrial cities. It just wasn't, unfortunately. And, you know, America kind of said, wait a minute, this this can't continue. You know, this is this is not good. So out of that and this work, um, you know, that began around the Cuyahoga River, Lake Erie being called dead in the early 70s, led to a lot of companies being based here regionally that did a lot of that remediation and and mitigation work. So that was one starting point. You know, two, some of our water economy companies here based here have just really grown dynamically. You know, be it a, you know, a Connecticut, a Gorman Rupp, uh, you know, YSI is based here in Ohio, a couple hours from my office. Um, so there was always, Travis, this large group of companies. So Greater Cleveland alone, we've identified 300 plus companies just in the water economy space. Then you layer that with the fact that water stress is just growing nationally and internationally, and it's not going to go away. Uh, We have industrial issues. We have climate change issues. It's a really dynamic sector to be in. So what we've been able to do, and you mentioned this word ecosystem, is to really galvanize this ecosystem to say we have the ingredients for this successful recipe. Some call it a cluster and the cluster is just a fancy way of saying we've got great research institutions around us that have all bought into this idea of a, of a water innovation economy. Um, we've got these great companies, you know, that I've mentioned. Moen is headquartered here, and the dynamic work they're doing for smart water within the home, you know, is amazing. And, and Moen's are, you know, just came in as our new board chair. Um, and then our, our government partners have been incredible, starting with our utilities. You know, the utilities came to me when I came in as the first full-time executive director in 2014 and, and you know, literally grabbed me by the shirt and said, <laughs> you have to help us innovate because, you know, we're just not structured to innovate. So we built up that trust with them to where, as we say in Cleveland, you know, they're all in on this idea. So we've been able to facilitate and show there's real value here. And you know what does that mean, Travis? Well, you know, first of all, you know, job creation. 
Um, you know, we're seeing over 300 net new jobs in the water economy space created annually each year since 2014 through 2019, which is the most recent data that we have. So there's workforce here, there's industry here, there's investments here. You know, then you have the investments through our utilities, a $3 billion CSO consent decree that the sewer district is going through right now. Huge opportunities, you know, around that. Then you have these research institutions and, and we're, we're broad in our research institutions. So yes, we have Ohio State. Yes, we have Case Western, Cleveland State, Kent State. But we've also got, you know, University of Michigan. We have Bowling Green. We have University of Toledo. So that was part one, Travis. And then part two is, you know, how, how do you how do you accelerate that in itself? And for us, when we um, started working with with, you know, kind of the corporate leaders in greater Cleveland, the chamber, the entrepreneurial uh, system, the funders, the foundations, you know, we came up with this idea of, look, what's missing in the water technology space often is getting products to the market more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's been a problem from day one for the water space. What can we do to shorten that accelerate, you know, shorten that time to market, if you will. And that's when we came up with the idea of the water technology test beds. Test beds are not unique. Even in the water sector, they're not unique. But the way that we've set these up as kind of a plug-and-play model that are embedded in 